morning and welcome to a brand new series at Kesed for a brand new year called Paper Airplanes. Um, today I'm going to introduce kind of the overall concept of this series and why I think it's important for us as a church body to walk through. Uh, I want to start off by asking kind of a silly question, but a, a question with a show of hands. How many people consider themselves spiritual? Just, it's, there's, I'm not going to call anybody out or anything else, but how many people consider themselves spiritual? Yeah, a lot. Uh, we say a lot around here at Kesed that uh, we are a church for people who are spiritually curious. We recognize that uh, spirituality can come on a spectrum, meaning you could be somebody who's seeking and you just feel like there's something more to the world and the universe than the life you're living. You could be somebody who knows Jesus personally, the one true God, and your whole goal in life is to bring glory to him and tell other people about him. But it is often most likely that we sit in rooms with people in different uh, spectrums or experiences around spirituality. And the same goes for creativity except it's probably way, way less people that actually, if I was to ask you to raise your hands, which I stopped doing because uh, so few people raise their hands when I ask the question, how many people think they're creative? And this series, if, if that's not kind of fully grasped, could lose a lot of people because you would be like, well, this is just for the artists in the room. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think that's true. I think actually that when you really look at the Bible, when you look at the text, when you look at who God is and how he made us to be, that uh, oftentimes spirituality and creativity go hand in hand, that you can't actually be a spiritual person without being a creative person. Now, that doesn't mean that every person in this room should be the artist of their dreams. I, I'm just going to put it out there. But in church, throughout my two-decade career, the, the artistic expression I think that most people uh, most likely would like to have and don't have is the gift of singing. Uh, there's a whole lot of people in church that think they're great singers. There's a whole lot of people that are like, I can do it. I got it. And you don't. You just don't. And, and, and so I'm not just talking about people in the room that have certain gifts. There's people who can draw, there's people who can build, there's all kinds of expressions of creativity. But what I am here to tell you is that every person in this room, I believe as a result of the creator who created them has the ability and the mandate to create. That we are not supposed to just sit on our hands and let people with external gifts uh, run the show. That we are supposed to ask bigger questions about how we're designed and those questions are supposed to be answered by the designer himself. My opening quote is this, a soul that is free and alive is a soul that creates. We are built to do this. For this to be understood, we not only need a new view of God, but a new view of us. In other words, we need a new theology, a new understanding of who he is, and a new anthropology, a new understanding of who we are. To understand why I believe all humans are born to create, we first need to understand how God created us. There's two different verses in the Bible who describe Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as an author. It's a really interesting description and not a very common one. The first one is in Acts 3, 14 and 15. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead, to this we are witnesses. The other one is in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. These two verses are pointing to a really interesting truth about the creativity of God. R.C. Sproul, the theologian expands on this. He says this, the very word authority has within it the word author. 
An author is someone who creates and possesses a particular work. Insofar as God is the foundation of all authority, he exercises that foundation because he is the author and the owner of his creation. And so it is through the creative authority of God that we have creativity woven into our DNA and begging to express itself. Mm, I know, right? I should just preach the whole beginning again because it's just, it's just there's so much to it. There's so many, there's so many um, truths just inside this small amount of information that you and I are called to unlock. I wonder if if some of us have what we're gonna call flatline relationships with God because we're not creative enough to allow our minds to, to expand into the different scenarios, situations, uh, and, and, and overall explanations for the things that are happening in our world. We are, we are linear and we are black and white and we are, if you will, religious. And these are the things we accept. And so all thought, all views, all perspective, all understanding has to fit inside my worldview and the track that I've been built on. But I wonder if that's not at all how we're supposed to develop as children of God, but instead we are supposed to access this DNA that comes from him to us. We all understand Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do we understand that this is art? Do we understand that this is God creating something from nothing? That he put every hue in every sunset? That he designed the intricate patterns on the butterfly wings? That he's the one who, who, who made specifically the behavior of the fish we've still yet to discover at the bottom of the ocean? That he is a designer and an artist? That he is a creator? that this is how he operates. So then when you read Genesis 1:27 just a little bit further, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him male and female he created them. If God is this person and he's designing you and I in his own image, wouldn't it be natural to then consider that we also are like him creators? Then it's called towards what we do, our work, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so it is easy to see that God is still very much in the creation business. Second Corinthians speaks to this idea of us transforming and renewing and changing and evolving. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The gospel, I don't think, can be fully understood unless it's understood from a creative perspective. Because when the gospel enters into your world, it takes the... The, the stuff that you're made of, the experiences you've had, the way you're built, your tendencies, your gifts, your struggles, all the stuff that's been poured into you from generations before, along with everything that's happening in the world at the time that you're happening to live. And it says, based on this matter, I'm gonna create this person. That's, that's creative. It's not like we just go into, you know, a movie and we just strip down and get sprayed down and get cleansed. And then we're like, well, I guess I, I guess I'm just super clean now in my beige human uniform. And I'm going to go about my life just living a beige, boring life, trying not to get anything stinky on me. That's my entire goal as a Christian. Ooh, that looks like it'd be dangerous. Oh, that's awkward. And after a while, we're just in line behind everybody else following a belief system that leads to everywhere else other than the creative expression of being the feet and the hands of Jesus in this world. 
When we don't embrace the creative sides of God, we miss embracing all of the sides he's working within our own lives. And we become one-dimensional, two-dimensional at best. We miss all of the spectrums. We miss all of the beauty. We miss all of the ways that he wants to meet us and talk with us and touch us and mold us and evolve us. And if we miss that, then please tell me, my fellow gospel bringers into the world, how are you going to see anybody else's spectrums? How are you going to sit with anybody and know if you should get down on your knees to look at them or stand up straight or not make eye contact or sit close or, or be far away or send them an email? How are you going to know how to present the gospel if you don't understand how the gospel's working in you? This is why it's so important for us to understand this important principle, to understand this idea that a universal creative experience is how things were intended to be and in this way so foreshadows a new heaven and a new earth. It foreshadows the way that God first created the garden when everything expressed his truth and his reality and his love. But until we can do that, until we can embrace that, until then, we will struggle to not see creativity as something only possessed by the few with easily seen gifts and abilities. The interesting thing is, though, for those of us who are really hyper-religious and really good about our performance when it comes to Jesus, that entire viewpoint is sinful. It's a sinful perspective where in our sin, authority is all about control. That's not how God created this world. Unlike the authority of God, whose self-giving love is actually about authoring and creating for others. That's how God created this world. That's why Jesus is the author. Because he constantly poured out his life in order to meet the needs of those around him. But as we know, even God's beautiful creation got off to a rough start. And this is because, as Erwin McManus says, true creativity does not come easily. Creativity is born of risk and refined from failure. But when that process is walked out, something powerful can be created. And that something powerful, no matter the context, can speak to the creative peace of the human soul when it's listening. Um, this right here is my uh, first press edition of Etta James' debut album from 1960. Yeah, yeah. This one looked like it was chewed on by somebody's dog. I don't know. But the album itself is in great shape. I want to play something for you as an example of, uh, of art from a time past. And I'm just going to say it out loud. I, uh, I need to be very careful about playing it because it's track two that I want to play, not track one, which is I just want to make love to you. That would set an entirely different vibe than what I'm going for.
many people know the song? Yeah. It's profound to me that you know a 64-year-old song uh, sang by a heroin addict who was in and out of jail and uh, mental health hospitals because of incredible trauma within her life. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Her mother had her at 14. Uh, she was a black woman and her father was an unknown white man and it was difficult for Etta to say the least during the time that she lived. My question is first, when you think of Irwin's quote, true creativity does not come easily, creativity is born of risk and refined from failure. I think if you were to listen to the rest of the album, which I have many times, you would hear the pain of Etta's story inside her art. You would hear that, that she's not singing uh, uh, to, to sell records. She's singing because she has to. She's singing because the creativity in her is the part of her that she has held on to like a life preserver. What I believe that this speaks to is this, that creativity is its own language and can be spoken by all and that the part of you that heard the parts of her song that impacted you uh, could not have be, been heard correctly unless you were creative. You would have thought this is a genre of music that's way too old. Why is he playing it on a record? Like what is happening right now? And yet most of you, including every young person in this room was like, I know this song. And I think that record player is pretty jam. And I think that's a pretty, right? Like the whole thing is, it's just, it speaks, does it not, to something inside us. It's hard for me to even name it. I didn't even know if the illustration would work because all I know is it just works. The song just happens and you go, Woof, that's real, that's true, that's honest, that's authentic. This is the beauty of art. This is the beauty of creativity for creativity is powerful in all its form. It reaches through time and style and speaks to the soul of the listener, the reader, the viewer, and so the experiencer. And it doesn't all have to be uh, elegant and, 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 and um, you know, transformational. Some of it can be simple. Uh, every once in a while during the holidays, there's a, a couple in our church that drop off wooden sculptures like this on my front porch. This was my this year's Christmas snowman. Lon and Debbie, if you know them, Lon is a carpenter and Debbie is the designer. Uh, I have a picture right up here because I asked if I could. Uh, this is Debbie designing some stuff. Here's a few other things that, uh, that Debbie has designed that Lon has made. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, I know. I mean, I could probably make that rocking horse, but I, I, I want to preach the gospel. I got busy things to do, so. And then this birdhouse. This is clearly art, right? This is clearly uh, creative. This is clearly a group of people doing something very simple and in very real time to honor and bless people in the community. And it's vastly different than Etta James' song. And yet we still got, oh, oh, mm, because it just works. This is why creativity is so important to spirituality because you can stand on stage and be like, Jesus loved you, he died on the cross and you should probably figure your stuff out. And then you could walk off and be like, you heard the gospel, you heard the gospel. <laughs> this is, I don't believe at all how the gospel is supposed to be presented. I think it's why Jesus never did it the same way twice. He was always different. He was like, mm, fishermen, mm, seeds, 
mm, this, mm, that. He was constantly reinventing the presentation. And I don't think he was saying just stick into these lanes. He was saying, take the creative element and use it to bring glory to me. For I am creative, my father in heaven is creative and you have been built to be creative. This is why this series is so very important. But to do it, we have to face the thing that keeps most of us from expressing our creative selves, and that's fear. You have to be courageous to, to put something out there that represents something hidden within you, which is where most of our creativity sits. In his book, The Artist and Soul, Erwin uh, McManus, who I quoted earlier, this is a part of the book we're going to use to go through this series. This is a, a part that he talks about when it comes to facing our fears in order to express the creativity within us. He says, if we are inherently spiritual creatures, we are by our nature creative beings, yet we live in the fear that if we aspire to be more, we will discover ourselves to be less. We live in fear of failure, convinced that failure will prove us to be frauds. We have bought into the lie that creative people never fail, and hence failure is proof that we are not creative. So we get back in line, our dreams in check, and condemn our souls to a slow and painful death. Fear is the shadow of creativity. When we choose to create, we bring light to our fears. The darkness does not prevail over us. The creative act is inherently an act of courage. We are born too far too many fears and far too great a darkness. It is only when we find the courage to create that we are freed from those fears and that darkness. The past will be our future until we have the courage to create a new one. To make our lives a creative act is to marry ourselves to risk and failure. And this is my favorite part of the quote, so I'm going to put it on the screen. It takes courage to not only accept our limitations, but embrace our potential. To deny our creative nature is to choose a life where we are less and thus responsible for less. We see ourselves as created beings, so we choose to survive. When we see ourselves as creative beings, we must instead create. I wonder if that's why, one of the reasons why John in 1 John 4.18 says perfect love drives out fear. Because God is love, we know that. God is love, he is love incarnate. And if God is creative, then wouldn't it be that God's love would drive out fear and to be creative, the thing you cannot embrace and be creative is fear. And so to embrace Christ and be creative is to not sit in that darkness, allowing the lies to say that you are not enough and that you can't risk like everyone else. This is why I believe creativity is the natural result of spirituality. It just, they just go hand in hand. I have yet to see them separate. To create is to be a human. To create is to fulfill our divine intention. To create is to reflect the image of God and ultimately to create is to worship. Mm. Yeah, this series is gonna be a blast, but I think it's gonna be really, really challenging for some of you because you've never stepped into this lane. And yet I think as you listen to the song or you see a, a creation like this, you're like, I think I have some of that in me. And I'm just here to tell you, you do, you do. Think about the, the children that we've all either raised or, or uh, are living alongside right now. How many people have ever experienced handing a child uh, a, a package of crayons and saying, hey, could you draw me a picture? And then being like, well, I'd love to, but you haven't given me any art lessons. 
Like I have never handed a child a, a package of crayons and been like, and been like, you know, you need to go and learn how to draw a picture. We have a big pegboard in our house. We don't have grandchildren right now yet. We have godchildren. And when they come over, they love to get out the crayons and the paper and they draw things. And you learn quickly as an adult in the life of a young child, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, not to, not to speak into what it was they intended to create, but just to be in awe of it for its creative sake. You're like, this is amazing. Is it an alligator? No, it's a picture of my mom. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Your mom has huge teeth. I had no idea. She's beautiful. You learn just one time. And then after that, every picture is an original. This is amazing. The, the, the way you do it is tell me more about it. Tell me where you came from. Every child that you've ever met, including you, by the way, and me, started out knowing they were creative. There was zero confusion that they're creative. They would even go as far to say they're extra and more creative than probably everybody else. But somewhere along the way, all of us in this room, we took that and we hid it away and we devalued it and we said, it doesn't help me in my day-to-day -day life. And actually I was hurt a few times when I created something and it didn't go how I hoped and we no longer have access to it. And then Jesus comes along and the gospel comes along and scripture comes along and oh, the Holy Spirit comes along and prompts us into these spaces to ask these questions and have these experiences. And it takes our creative side in order to embrace it. But we've stuffed our creative side way back somewhere in our childhood. And so we just sit there and go, I don't get it. That's probably the number one complaint I hear about people that struggle accepting the message and method of Jesus. I just don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you've not accessed this ability to see things in a spectrum outside of the hue that you now live your life entirely in. Children create because they're made to create. It's in their DNA. They just understand intuitively the dream risk and then create process. Cause that's about all it takes to create. You dream, you know, it's going to hit some and not hit some others and you create. I can't tell you how many times I have preached messages, including this message where I was like, man, I'm going to put this out there and it's going to hit some people really well. And some people are literally going to go home and email me. I just don't get it. Why I, I will, now I'm going to say it. So I probably won't get this email, but if I hadn't have said it, I would have got an email where someone said, I can't believe you spent all that pulpit time during this series telling us to be creative. Aren't we supposed to be followers? <sighs> mm. Now I said it. So feel free not to email me because <laughs> Because anytime you put even, even creativity like this out in the world, anytime you're like, hey, this song hits me, this sculpture hit me, this scenario hit me, this is how I read the verse, there are going to be people who say, that's just not real, or that's just not how I see it, or I just don't get it. There's no other way to communicate who I am than by doing what I'm made to do. And that's what I have to trust in. That's what I hope we all are learning to trust in, to get back to being children who dream risk and then create. That's why this week you're going to go home with homework, which I don't give a lot of, but I'm going to today. Today up in uh, the classroom, all of your children are learning how to build paper airplanes and you're going to do the same. Now, I, uh, I, I know that for some of you, you're thinking this cannot be church. It is, it is, ma'am, it is. 
because we're going to actually tangibly create something. And to do it, because I do believe there's quite a few of us based on last few services who have never built a paper airplane in our lives. This is true. Never have built one. I'm going to play for you the same video we're playing for the children. Are you ready? Okay, get out your piece of paper. I'm going to leave the lights up so you can see. We're going to follow along in the video. Do not throw your paper airplane at me. <laughs> There'll be a moment to do it, but it's not right when you're done, ma'am. Uh, by the way, if you know how to build your own kind of paper airplane, feel free to do it. For the rest of us, we're going to follow along the video. Let's watch. Hello, it's Valerie from Inner Child. Today I'm going to show you how to make a To make your paper airplane, you will need an 8.5 by 11 inch sheet of paper. Fold it in half. Fold the corners down as shown. Take one side and fold it in. Do the same to the opposite side. Fold your paper airplane in half, then fold down each of the wings. And now you have the perfect paper airplane. How many people thought the video was too fast? That's why we're gonna play it again. Ready, here we go. It's Valerie from Inner Child Fun. Today I'm going to show you how to make a paper airplane. To make your paper airplane, you will need an eight and a half by 11 inch sheet of paper. Fold it in half. Fold the corners down as shown. Take one side and fold it in. Do the same to the opposite side. Fold your paper airplane in half, then fold down each of the wings. And now you have the perfect paper airplane. Okay. Listen, I'm going to give some directions here in just a second. But before I do, here's what I want to say. The creator created us to create. That's what he did. And this small thing that you did, one of the things that makes it really significant is that you did it as a group and that you were willing to be creative in a group, in a family. And that's why church is so important to experience this sort of thing. Amen. Amen. Okay, real quick, before, uh, before I, how many people, raise your hand, please, be courageous. Who, this is your very first time ever building a paper airplane, raise your hand. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Good, good, good. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to have you stand up. Uh, we're going to throw in any direction we want. I want you to be careful. Listen, listen, be careful if you're on the floor because the balcony's coming for you. That's all I want to say. Uh, we need some paper airplane music, please. All right, ready, one. Two, three, throw! 
All right, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.